You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we deserve something to complain about. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the man most determined to bring back fancy hats as a fashion statement that has nothing to do with his hair, and if you don't mind, he would rather not take it off. Thank you very much. Specifically fancy Benedict. hats, though. Specifically fancy hats. Yes. Yes. No baseball caps. Benedict, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. No, not as far as I You've remember. You've never done a cruise. So, but do you think you would be interested in going on a cruise? Not now. Are you kidding? Well, not now. I mean, in general, in the, the no. general concept of a cruise. It Why sounds, not? It sounds like my absolute nightmare just because you're surrounded Trapped by people. Trapped at sea with people. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. You, you know me too well, Kevin. You know me too but well. But you, my friend, have never experienced the delights of the cruise ship buffet. I could go you. to restaurants and experience better things. Mm, no, if you're a buffet lover, like, look, I've, I've been on several cruises in my life, usually as family vacations, occasionally alone. Uh, but I, I know when I'm going on a cruise that I need to lose about 10 pounds before I go. Not because I care about looking good for whoever I'm going with, but because I know I'm going to put on that equivalent in buffet food during the time I am on the ship. Because I am a buffet connoisseur. Could you not just I... buy bigger pants and just <laughs> in preparation? That seems easier than losing 10 pounds. Just buy bigger pants. Well, you you already know that I put on about 15 since the quarantine started. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm already on the biggest pants I have right oh, now. No, you're on them stretchy pants. But, you're on them Thanksgiving still, pants. Yeah, I'm, I'm on those Thanksgiving pants. I'm still craving that cruise ship buffet, though. But Benedict... Uh, you got any hot takes for us this week? Garbage. It's a garbage chapter. That is my hot take. <laughs> That's your hot take, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, okay, you want an actual hot take? An actual hot take? I forgot we were doing this as a second. Yeah, you know, that's like the bad. structure of the show that we have planned. Yeah, that's in no, the, that's actually, it's not bad. in the notes. It's not in I the notes. put it in there, but it's yes, not in the that's notes. my fault. Uh, my hot take that's not that hot is all power to the people always. That's my hot take. Okay, you're not you're not supposed to announce it's not that hot. That's sort of the point. Yeah. Uh, breaking down breaking down the sixth wall right now. When we yep. planned this originally, it was supposed to be hot takes that were really lukewarm. So uh, thank you for just bringing it all crashing down. You're but, uh, my hot take for this week, since you asked so kindly, uh, is is actually the same as yours. I'm going to do the same thing and break <laughs> the entire program. <laughs> Because look, I was I was with my parents for the last two weeks, and I uh, have political differences with my parents, obviously. Um, but that's not what this story is about. That's just me wanting to mention that because I'm I'm still angry about things that were said. But 
over the last two weeks, I spent quite a bit of time on social media because, as you may imagine, I oh, no. uh, did not want to spend too much time speaking with my parents. And I found over the last couple of days, there was this woman who was very upset over the mask wearing situation. Wait, and what? she was being. Yes, there was a woman on social media posted a video of herself that went viral where she was complaining about the mask wearing situation. Okay, I didn't see this, I don't think. Where she was very upset. By all, all the people wearing masks, that she wasn't able to look at people and see people's smiles. And I, my hot take for this week, which is supposed to be lukewarm, which is actually kind of hot, though, is that that woman's not entirely wrong. Now, that woman was properly maligned because she was pushing right-wing talking points and bullshit political ideas that had nothing to do with coronavirus, but were really just ramblings online from Trump supporters. She was perfectly reasonably maligned from that. But... I do want to say this, which is that people do have a right to feel what they feel about the situation that we're going through right now. Because we are in a very stressful time. And I have had moments where I am at the grocery store, or I am somewhere where I need to be, where I'm wearing a mask and everyone around me is wearing a mask, and the sudden surge of, wow, this is a dystopia right now, this is crazy, this is just insane, does hit me. And I have a moment of distress. You are entitled to feel those feelings. Because what we are going through right now is absolutely not normal. And everyone is affected by this in different ways. But you shouldn't take it that extra leap that the crazy right-wing lady did and go rambling about how this is all a conspiracy by the Democrats to take away whatever, they, whatever the hell she was saying. Hydrating. And start saying we should all go walk around without our masks on. That's the leap that is too far. But my hot take for this week is you do have a right to feel the way you feel about the craziness we are living through. Right I now. think that's sufficiently lukewarm as a take. Feelings are Fine. feelings and you should feel them as a good lukewarm take. Fine. I think the, the not lukewarm part was that that lady was half right because she okay. was a nightmare. Fair enough. But Benedict, uh, with all that out of the way, why don't we go over and visit Benedict's bookshelf? What's oh, on yeah, your bookshelf that's... this week? Uh, so this week it is from a fellow podcaster who is obviously much bigger than we are in that he has written a goddamn book. So that's, you know, a start. Uh, so I don't know if you know Mike Duncan. He did the History of Rome podcast and now does the Revolutions podcast. Both great. Um, History of Rome one charts through literally like every era of the history of Rome from its founding to its disintegration. I'm sorry, Benedict. Are you saying Rome has ended? No, the Roman Empire. The Western Roman uh, Empire, specifically. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'd like to disagree with... No. Why is it that every right-wing douchebag has an obsession with Rome? What the Very fuck weird. is that? It, it, it's, I, I think, to do with... I'm not saying weird... other people don't like, don't are interested in Rome, too, but right-wingers do have an obsession with Rome. Yeah, I think it's a weird fetishization of what they imagine the Republic to be, which is largely misinformed. Essentially, there's a weird obsession with Cato the Elder as well, specifically. But uh, so he does that. And then the Revolutions podcast, which has looked at various revolutions. So I think he did the English Revolution, American, French, Haitian, Bolivarian, uh, the revolutions of the 1850s or 1860s in, in around the world, basically. And uh, then the Russian Revolution is the most recent one that he's done. So anyway, he wrote a book called The Storm Before the Storm, which is about the generation before Julius Caesar and the okay. the Roman ca cast of characters that we all know that set the stage for them. 
Okay, but that title is so pretentious douchebag in a coffee shop who's not actually a good writer. <laughs> no, the book may be good, but the that title, good. that title sucks. The Storm Before the Storm, it's a fine title, I think. It's okay. Uh-huh, if you want to go there. All right, well, since you asked me so kindly, as you always do, I'll tell you, you what's on my bookshelf You said you weren't going to do week. them anymore. No, I said I wasn't going to stick with your format for doing them anymore. Oh, uh, what was that? Because on my bookshelf this week, Last time, you said last you time weren't we going to do them, and we were going to call it Benedict's Bookshelf because it was going to be no, my thing. No, I said I was, I was going to still do them. I was going to still do them. It's just we've named the segment after you. I was throwing Got you it. a bone because you're obviously you so pathetic and sad. You said you weren't going to do them anymore. No, we're still doing them. We're still doing them. But um, mine, my suggestion for this week uh, is actually music because many things can be stored on a bookshelf in case you weren't aware. I am suggesting the band Lake Street Dive which if you haven't heard them, Benedict, this is a band I actually think, even though you never take my suggestions, uh, I think you would actually enjoy. They're immensely talented, wonderful, wonderful band out of Boston, uh, does uh, what I can only describe as modern jazz R&B type thing. Very, very interesting. Uh, Have a stand-up bass in the group and, you know, guitar and keyboards and all that stuff. That's cool. But their lead singer is mind-blowing she has such an amazing voice i can listen to them for hours so just go to wherever you get music and look up lake street dive check out baby don't leave me alone with my thoughts or bad self-portraits or mistakes uh any of those jams they're such an amazing band i highly recommend them give them a look and with that i will do we'll move on no i've Sorry, you said don't be afraid to pause, and I was just looking at the, <laughs> the Spotify, so I will, I will check them out. Thank you. No, we're going to take a five-minute break here. You're going to hear silence. Benedict is going to listen to a song. Uh, no. We'll <laughs> I will be on. back in a second. Yeah. It's time to return to our book review of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., the man who's a fucking asshole. He doesn't get a joke this week. He really doesn't, because uh, we, we need to intro this chapter. Uh, this is a shitty fucking chapter. This yeah. chapter is nothing but transphobia. This is an anti-trans chapter, uh, which is full of disgusting slurs and straight-up lies about things that have happened to trans people and who trans people are. He is constantly uh, using the wrong pronouns on purpose. It's just plainly disgusting. And yeah, so please frankly, don't listen if that, if that would not be good oh yeah, for you there's, it's not there's, it's no, nothing we say is worth anyone's time yeah. if that's going to be horrible for people to listen to so please don't <laughs> absolutely we would not hold it against you in the slightest if you feel like this is not something you want to listen to this week but uh i do want to clarify that that we're not skipping the chapter because we think that it is important the reason why we do this show is because these people are putting forward hateful spiteful and disgusting ideas and we think it's very important to fact check them and to make fun of them and these stupid little things that we do where we push back on this stuff. We think it's important that you know the bullshit that they're saying and that you know not only that they're wrong, but why they're wrong. So that's why we do this and that's why we're going to do this chapter, even though it really contains nothing of value in any way on any plane that I can imagine. To be fair, nor does the book, but this is a particularly vile chapter. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so I also, before we get into it this week, I do want to plug that we were on the Atheist Nomads podcast with Dustin, our guest from the last chapter. Uh, that'll be coming out about a week after this review comes out, so make sure and go check out his channel, subscribe, all that stuff, and listen to us over there. We had a nice, long conversation with him. 
Uh, very yeah. long, very long, as a matter very of fact, long. about covering everything. I think we covered everything you could cover with Dustin. Truly, from the British political system to immigration laws to as much things as I could think about, really. We went all over the place. And finally, before we get into the chapter this week, I do want to mention that as we record, today is the 31st of May, uh, and... You, being humans who are alive, are probably aware of the protests that are going on all across the United States and, in fact, spreading around the world right now. Uh, they're going on in London and in Germany and all over the place. And, look, we stand in solidarity with the protesters. We think that major change needs to happen. I will actually, after we record tonight, be going out uh, to the protest in D.C. Uh, as a legal observer and making sure that people's rights aren't violated. Uh, and and this is this is a major time of crisis right now in our country. And like mm -hmm. I said earlier, you're entitled to feel how you feel. And this is affecting everyone in different ways. Um, but I think we all need to come together and do something to actually make change with this. And I, it starts with making your voices heard. It continues through voting. And it continues through criticizing the people you elected after you voted if they don't actually follow through on the change that they promised they would make or that you wanted them to make. That's what we can do as people. And so we stand with everyone who's out there. We hope you all are, are staying safe. Uh, if you're out there protesting, uh, we hope that you're doing it well and, and that you, again, stay safe because there is violence going on. There's people being injured. Yep. So uh, we're with everyone on that. But Benedict, let's get into this just terrible bullshit. What did we read yep. this week? So this week we read a really transphobic chapter of writing is what we read again no right, it's hard to write because... jokes it's so hard to write yeah. jokes about this because it's so bad yeah you're right so i mean I'm, i'll move straight on to my alternative chapter title if that's okay and for that i've just gone with vice signaling because we <laughs> love to accuse people of virtue signaling I love that. I don't know why I'd never heard anyone use the word vice signaling before, even though we've talked about that concept in the past with different yeah. book reviews. I don't think I'd ever heard. I'm sure someone's used it and you've stolen it from someone and you're not going no, to tell I, me who I you did, stole I'm, it from. I'm sure I've seen it, but I didn't I, yeah. I didn't consciously steal it from anyone, but surely, surely that someone's That is such, it. such a good description of what's going on in this book. It is vice signaling. It is him trying to signal to... And, and throughout this chapter, he continually throws in the bullshit... I have no problem with trans people, despite the entire chapter being screaming and screeching about trans people, which is why uh, my alternate chapter title is, I'm not judging you, and I don't care what you do. That's why I wrote a whole chapter screaming about how crazy you are and how much I hate you. Also, that is what the chapter is. <laughs> my, other alternate chapters, my, cha <laughs> my other alternate chapter titles, uh, Laura Loomer already tried this grift. Uh, and, uh, really the other one really just fucked on junior, the chapter. So yeah, I would, I would certainly go with either of those or all of them uh -huh. in one long sentence. Because we start off, let's, let's get started. We start the first page of this chapter with the Laura Loomer grift with, well, I'm just going to say I'm a girl and go out there and start playing in my 12 year old daughter's softball league. That's what I'm doing, because anybody can do that now, and that's how this works. Yeah, it's a signal that he knows nothing about what he's talking about instantly. Like, it, again, like, vice signaling, ins ignorance signaling, like, it, there is no, not that you would expect there to be, but there is, there is literally, that is, as his salient point, it just signals that the rest of the chapter is going to be complete bullshit. Absolutely. I, mean, I mean, you knew that from the title, but yeah, 
mercifully yeah. it's a fucking short chapter right and he tries to make this chapter about trans women in sports and claim that that's the only thing he has a problem with despite the fact that he jumps into other areas that have nothing to do with trans women in sports and and completely forgot that that was not what he was supposed to be talking about because he claims that the only problem he has is when they try and play sports and according to him steal victories from what he would call real women because he's an asshole yeah, so he starts off claiming in this chapter that it doesn't matter anymore what sex you were assigned at birth all that matters is how you feel he says if i wake up one day feeling like a 13 year old girl named susan even though he's a 40 something year old man child uh, then we are required by law in some countries to call him that. And again, it's not at all how the fuck this works. No. And he puts- also loves to, sorry, loves to fucking remind you how hetero he is by like literally in that sentence throwing in a parenthetical oh, thing. Yeah. Like, oh, it would be a big surprise to my girlfriend, Kimberly. Maybe you've heard of her. She's from out of town. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. That is I- what I like to call the no homo parenthetical. Exactly. Taken from from teenage boys across the world, which Donnie, of course, still is basically in his mind, having never grown up. Uh, but he puts scare quotes around misgendering, referring to what would happen in that situation he described above, where you would have to call him whatever he wanted. If he just woke up and said he was 13 years old, uh, he would be misgendering. But he puts scare quotes around it, which I find to be perfectly encapsulating this chapter, where he's he's pretending to be serious. He's pretending that he doesn't care about trans people. He has no problem with them. But he's signaling right there. Like you said, he's vice signaling that he absolutely has a fucking problem with it because he's a monster. And uh, immediately, like three words later, he fails to put scare quotes right around it. So his right, like his writing style, again, abysmal. He also threw in a dear reader there in like the third <laughs> paragraph that we skipped over, which is like, again, trying to just like, parody like, david foster wallace people? i know there's only so many no, times you can cite david the david foster, foster wallace. wallace it's not it's not it's not david foster wallace it's it's um reader i married him it's 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 trying to do that but that's been done so many times and like parodied so many times that he doesn't realize that it's been like either it's the original and good because it was good at the time because it was original and fresh you can't now like be doing that shit when it's been parodied to absolute death and be like this is good writing (laughs) good writers write this way shut the like oh you know what this whole book is what a dumb person thinks good writing looks like you're exactly correct because he's throwing in all of the tropes all of the tropes are what he's throwing in there right if he could have started a chapter with it was the best of times it was the worst of times he absolutely fucking would have he might yet you don't fucking know (laughs) we haven't finished the book we haven't finished the book so he gives us the first story he gets in this book where he lies completely uh not completely but mostly uh and this is about a woman named kate scotto and this refers to the above uh situation where he was saying that uh you can just wake up in the morning and have people call you whatever you want, which, I mean, A, yeah, you can, because whatever, people should call you whatever you want them to call. What if someone's Who pronouns are is their fucking business, and it hurts you in absolutely yeah. no regard. So this woman, Kate Scotto, lives in Hertfordshire, England, and according to Donnie Jr., she was arrested by... Lo- what did I say? Hertfordshire. Yeah, because I read The Hobbit. Uh <laughs> And uh, in February 2019, she was arrested by local police for harassing a transgender woman, which he puts in a parenthetical calling a man 
because he's a monster. Uh, and he claims that the entirety of this situation boils down to this woman, Kate Scotto, called the trans woman a he on Twitter. And because of that, police showed up at her apartment and arrested her in front of her autistic 10-year-old daughter and 20-month-old infant son. Now, the important part that he's leaving out of this, that it was not simply that she mislabeled a trans person on Twitter. She led a days, possibly weeks long, I'm unable to find concrete information on this, harassment campaign against that trans person on Twitter, including calling that trans woman a pig in a wig. As you may be aware, Benedict, I'm not sure if you are, online harassment is actually illegal in the UK. Yeah, Which is, is surprising. Shocking. Uh, somewhat... I'm not sure how often it's enforced, to be fair. But... Yes, yes. But online harassment is actually illegal in the UK. And yes, part of it was the misgendering that came up. That was part of the harassment. And it was actually part of a separate incident that was litigated throughout the trial, whether that was, in fact, harassment. It was actually deemed to be harassment. This woman actually never went to jail, though. Uh, she was ordered to pay a 21-pound victim surge charge and 1,000 pounds in court costs over a six-month period. That was the entirety of what she faced for her online harassment campaign. And I have to say, this woman, Kate Scottow, the harasser, she called this trans woman a pig in a wig, but I challenge you to look up her photo and tell me who looks like a fucking pig in a wig. <laughs> I'd rather we didn't get into that. I would just say I know quickly, I know, I know. I would just quickly say that the UK does weirdly have a particularly big problem with anti-trans bigotry. I'm not, I don't know why it's happened so much in the UK compared to like, obviously the US isn't great, but it's seemingly like the UK does have a very organized anti-trans movement, which I don't really understand why that's maybe my own ignorance. Well, I just wanted to point out, right, he ends that paragraph talking about this incident saying that all of this happened, quote, all because she refused to call the activist by her preferred pronoun. No, absolutely not true. Pig in a wig, harassment campaign, bullshit. Fucking lie. Donnie's fucking lying, and that's but how also, far people have to go for this anti-trans hate. They have to fucking lie. Also, just call people by their preferred pronoun. Absolutely. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be fucking difficult. Mm -hmm. But I did laugh. I did laugh a paragraph later where he starts off a paragraph saying, according to liberals today, many of whom reside in their mom's basements or their university dorm rooms. Like, okay, what? I'm sure there are plenty of liberals in university dorm rooms. Why is that strange to you, Donnie? Could it possibly My... be because he lived at five-star hotels while he was in college? <laughs> My favorite thing is when they do the, like, it's not this, but it's more about, like, Antifa, who are, sim like, it's literally, like, Schrodinger's Antifa. Like, they are simultaneously both scary, violent thugs and people living in their mom's basement, terrified of the outside world. Like, it's very weird. Well, you know, they, they hatch out of eggs, too, the Antifas, and they have elongated heel bones and fast twitch <laughs> muscles. And, yeah. They're also known as the Jersey Devil. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so this whole portion, of this, this is basically a worthless portion of the chapter where all he's talking it's about all is worthless. him not understanding non-binary genders and gender fluid and things like that and throwing in all the usual bullshit you hear from the right where they pretend to not understand pronouns, pretend that there are 20,000 pronouns out there and pretend that they've seen those in doctor's offices, he cites specifically, as a place where he saw all these pronouns and school offices and things like that. 
and also throws in, quote, also, you don't need to undergo any sort of gender reassignment surgery or hormone therapy to change your gender anymore. Yeah, you never did. You never fucking had to. It's also a huge topic of sensitivity for people. Lots of people wish they could do that and can't for whatever yeah. reason because and there's it's... there's other people who are fine staying with the biological parts that they have and being called by different pronouns and going as a different gender that's because yeah. that's who they are and fuck you for saying you don't care about people being able to do whatever they want be trans whatever and then having this entire page and a half complaining about how crazy that is also fundamentally misunderstands what gender fluid is to no nobody's shock but... oh absolutely not because look here's this is the right wing trope that we've heard for years now starting off with all the bath well, it's not starting with the bathroom bills but i think brought to a particular national level of conversation during the bathroom bill era which happened just a few years ago when the right was screaming that oh a man with a beard can just wait you know Six foot tall man with a beard weighing 200 pounds can just wake up one day and say he's a woman and go into the woman's bathroom with your 12 year old. Because that's the bullshit straw man of gender fluid that they've come up with. That it's just some guy who wants to go molest your little girl and that's the whole point behind it. It's such I think bullshit. It, it's so fundamentally, it's such bad faith. I think fundamentally it, involve, it, it has evolved from the way they look at bisexual people as well who i think are often viewed by some right-wing people as like trying to have the best of both you know which mm -hmm. is obviously bullshit but l again like oh you tr you're trying to say you're a man one minute and a woman the next like it's that same thing that has been said about bisexuals like oh you pick and choose just depending on how you're feeling that day like well, no these are real feelings that people have it's just it's so fucking frustrating these people's entire conception of the ideas of male and female is what goes in what hole and where are the boobs where are the boobs that's their entire fucking that's as far as their simple minds can take it that's as far as i can fucking and i have no sympathy right there are there are stupid people out there who have been conned by the right wing into this kind of hate who have been told by pastors and preachers and things to hate people for all these sorts of reasons and some of them are just stupid and i will give them some little bit of leeway for saying you know i feel bad about criticizing you on a moral level because you're just dumb and you've been conned and you've been convinced that all these things are true but donnie jr has no such fucking excuse he is stupid but he has the ability to at least educate himself on these things and chooses not to because he would rather throw out these tropes and spark anger than actually deal with any of these issues. It's easy, and it's playing to the gallery, and it's playing to his crowd. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yes, and, and after all that stuff, the gender-fluid stuff and all that craziness, he throws in the paragraph I mentioned, which he would repeat constantly throughout this chapter. Quote, Now, I am a live-and-let-live kind of guy and truly don't care what you identify as. As far as I'm concerned, you can identify yourself any way you want. Whatever makes you happy. Just don't send me to jail if I get it wrong. There's a, there's a proposition in that. There is a assumption that he's not purposefully getting it wrong, which we know he is because he purposefully gets it wrong throughout this entire fucking chapter. Yeah, exactly. And also, the person didn't go to jail. So literally, the example you cited is an example of someone going to jail for doing it. They didn't fucking go to jail. So what? Right. 
And this is another right-wing trope. Throughout the right-wing media, the circles I look at and I watch because, you know, I have a fetish for looking at right-wing shit that I used to believe in and now no longer do. Um, But they they constantly repeat this bullshit about, oh, in California or in X city or wherever, you can get arrested for calling someone by the wrong pronoun, which is all nonsense and bullshit. It's just right-wing talking points based off of either bills that didn't pass or things that were non-binding resolutions and all this nonsense. Because in reality, no, you couldn't be arrested for that. Not unless you were harassing a person. Unless you were committing a crime in doing so. Which you very well could be if you were harassing someone, calling them the wrong pronoun. But that's not how simple he is framing it. And I, I, you know, I think that's probably fairly free speech laws would probably allow you to call someone by the wrong pronoun. It's not illegal. You're just an asshole. Like, right. But you, if you were harassing that person, yeah, then you could get yeah, in trouble yeah, yeah. for that because harassment is illegal. Right. So as it we should get in, be, as it should be. So we get into the next section of this chapter where he gets explicitly into the anti-trans athlete portion. And he says that what they're doing is trying to game the system. He says, quote, all you have to do is declare that you're a woman and suddenly your competition gets smaller and less muscular. It's like magic. Now, you might be wondering, Don, how often does this really happen? The answer is more than you might imagine. There are a bunch of mediocre male athletes who have suddenly decided that they've been women their whole lives when they found out it might boost their chances of winning a medal or getting some free press or perhaps getting an athletic scholarship in that line makes me want to just throw this book off my fucking balcony so gross it's so gross and also well a couple of things that i think on that like first of all his answer being more than you might imagine means he could find like maybe one or two examples of this happening even like and they're bullshit examples but like he, like he can't quant there's literally a number so small that he can't quantify it and second of all again i think this comes back to them assuming the worst of themselves in other people and looking for every like they know they would look for every advantage possible even if it's bullshit so it's that exact same thing of this must be why this is happening when Obviously, there are actual reasons why it's happening, you fucking idiot. Absolutely. And I think on a more base level beyond that, to the, his imagination is that these these are just athletes who want to succeed, want to get some wins. To imagine that someone would go through everything that it takes coming out trans, everything that you're put through, the ridicule, possibly being ostracized by your family, what you have to go through medically if they decide to pursue that. And if you are going to pr- pursue athletics college athletics as a trans person there are medical things you have to do and he admits that he he puts in here in the ncaa if you want to compete you have to go through one year of testosterone suppression treatment and so to imagine that these trans athletes just to get a couple of college athletic wins would go through all the shit that trans people have to put up with that that's what it's fucking about that is so ridiculous to me that is so nonsensical Beyond anything else, I would like to see him compete with an elite female athlete at anything. Yeah, I would too. Literally anything. But the first example he gives us is CeCe Telfer, who uh, made some some headlines running for Franklin Pierce University in New Hampshire. I have never heard of that university. But, and, and he is, of course, as I mentioned, misgendering throughout this entire chapter. 
because he's an asshole. I have to keep saying he's an asshole just to keep my temper down this week as we're going through this chapter. So It is a particularly rowdy chapter. I, I'm getting heated as well. So what he says about Cece Telfer is that she was competing, and, and this is true, she competed for her first two years on the men's team at Franklin Pierce University, which is an NCAA track and field school. And I should mention, she's a track and field athlete, which, is track and field a big thing? I have no idea. I, I have no idea. I did a little bit in high school, but I never, like, competed on any real level. But she was on the track and field team. And, and here's another thing. When I was researching this, this story, I did find that apparently track and field appears to be a very right-wing pursuit because there are a lot of track and field-specific websites out there that are spewing some real fucking vitriol about CC Telford. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Not great stuff. I had no idea that track and field, for whatever reason, would be so fucking right-wing. But apparently is. But for CC Telford's first two years at Franklin Pierce University, she competed on the men's team. And then she announced that she was a trans woman. She came out as a trans woman and decided that she was going to compete in the women's. And to do that, she had to, as I mentioned, go through a calendar year of testosterone suppression treatment. After that, she had some success competing with women. And, uh, for example, she qualified in the NCAA championships, third in the 60-meter hurdles, and seventh in the 200-meter dash. She then, in the finals, came in first in the 400-meter hurdles and sixth in the 60-meter hurdles. Donnie Jr. describes this as, quote, before long, she was the single fastest woman in the NCAA. How is that even remotely fucking accurate? Not correct, yeah. I would imagine if you were trying to say this is the fastest person, they would have swept all the dash... I don't know track. I don't, I don't know what track is. The, the straight running stuff. You know, you, know <laughs> you run from here to there. That's the run. The you do that run. And you win you it. Yeah, you run in a straight line. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, you do the run. In fact, she came in seventh in the 200 meter dash. How can you be the fastest woman if you were seventh in the 200 meter dash? Doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, but it's he as also points out. As the rest of this book is. Right. He also points out that she didn't undergo any kind of surgery to make the change, which he views as, of course, being disqualifying in some sort of way, because, again, he's an asshole. Uh, she was on testosterone suppression, which, as I understand it, and I, I could be, and I don't want to offend anyone, I did some research on this, but it was, you know, medical stuff I'm not entirely familiar with. As to my understanding, testosterone suppression therapy is part of the transition process, an early part of the transition process. So this is someone who is, like, whether it's started because of the uh, NCAA competition or part of because she wants to go through the transition eventually, it was part of the fucking process. And furthermore, according to C.C. Telfer's coaches, while she was undergoing this testosterone suppression therapy, she redoubled her training. She trained harder than anyone else on that team, and that is truly why she came to win and be successful in the NCAA women's track competition. Good for her. This is just, this is just ridiculous slandering of a trans person. It's just fucking ridiculous, and it's disgusting. And he brings up in particular, he does his fucking quoting his own tweet thing. He quotes, his, I fucking can't stand the quoting the tweets. But this is a tweet where he he uh, sent out a Daily Caller article, as we know, Daily Caller, so fantastic. The Daily Caller article, of course, misgendering C.C. Telfer, and Donnie's caption 
above the Daily Caller article was, yet another grave injustice to so many young women who trained their entire lives to achieve excellence. Identify however you want to each its own, but this is too far and unfair to so many. Bullshit. I call bullshit. But in supporting his tweet, he brings up that Martina Navratilova agreed with him at the time. Which I guess no. is such a great fucking point well, kind, for him. Kind of. She didn't like retweet his tweet or anything. No. Which is no. the, kind of what he implies, but that's not what happened. Absolutely not. And then he says, quote, in a parenthetical, and she has since walked back her hard line on the subject after a full frontal assault by the SJW left. Now, what he's referring to there is possibly, I believe, uh, in June 2019, when she participated in a BBC broadcast where she interviewed people, including tra trans athletes and sports researchers, preventing evidence on both sides of the debate on whether trans athletes have any advantage in elite sports. And her closing remarks, which I would like to read, are, quote, the way I started this journey, I just wanted to see if there, if there were any big surprises, any misconceptions that I had. And what I think I have come to realize, the biggest thing for me, is just that the level of difficulty that trans people go through cannot be underestimated. The fight for equality and recognition is just huge. That being said, still for me, the most important thing in sports, and you have to remember, trans, right and elite, trans rights and elite sports are two different things, although of course they are connected. What's the right way to set the rules so that everybody feels like they have a fighting chance? It feels to me that it is impossible to come to any real conclusions or write any meaningful rules until more research is done. But for now, I think we need to include as many transgender athletes as possible within elite sports, while keeping at a level playing field if possible. Look, society has changed so much. Things evolve, things change, and maybe I need to evolve. Maybe I need to change. The rules certainly need to evolve. If you don't adapt, you've got problems. And so we'll just keep adapting and try to find a happy way forward. That is the result, according to Donnie Jr., of the full frontal assault by the SJW left. I would probably uh, describe that more, more accurately as she was actually willing to talk and listen to people. And she didn't even reach the full opposite conclusion of what she had originally said. She didn't fully flip over to, oh yeah, trans women in all the sports, let's just do it. She still has reservations, which... Fine, she has reservations, but she was willing to listen to people and willing to change based on the evidence and information that was presented to her, something Donnie is absolutely not willing to do. But why would he be? I mean, he hasn't changed anything since he was a child in terms of opinion or in, like intellectual quality. So exactly that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's mad, man. It's fucking mad. But he then gets into the next bullshit argument against trans athletes, which is that of scholarships. Scholarships, where he says, quote, often the parents of female athletes who go to college would not be able to afford the tuition if it wasn't for their athletic scholarships. And there's no way to get help with tuition like that unless you're one of the top female athletes in the country, to which I have to say several things. First off, then let's make college affordable so that you don't have to <laughs> fucking worry about that. That is the that is a nice tie yeah. into our political. That's so good. That's so good. I like that. Also, just because a trans athlete is also elite doesn't stop you being a fucking elite athlete. Like you can still get a scholarship. This Absolutely. isn't stopping anybody getting scholarships. Absolutely. Also, his comment about there's no other way to get help with tuition like that unless you're a top athlete. Um, how about being a top academic scholar? How about that? You know, there, that's another possible example of a way to do that. And look, I know there's a huge problem 
with women relying on academic scholarships for getting into elite colleges, right? Particularly, it's, a, it's an elite college problem. It's a problem I know that existed at UC Berkeley, where I went to school. Um, I have no idea about Oxford because, you know, whatever, British. Um, and that's something that we should deal with. But the answer isn't no trans athletes. That's a bullshit answer. The small number of trans athletes who come and be, look, the thing isn't like uh, all these trans athletes are going to be elite. No, elite status still has to do with how much you train, how much you prepare, how hard you work at being an athlete. Because being an athlete is, again, something that takes a lot of fucking effort. Yeah. My so favorite imaginary is- story that all it takes is just change to transition. And then all of a sudden you're elite just because you're a man, which again is his perception of how men and women work. Men are just elite on every level and they transition to being female. And all of a sudden now they'll just beat them all at all the sports. He super tells on himself immediately that that argument is bullshit when he's just like, oh, my daughter smokes me at basketball every time (laughs) we play. Also, she's 12. He does say that. And I love that because look, I don't want to be that guy. But I can beat every 12-year-old I know at basketball. And I'm not even a very good basketball player, but I know I can beat a 12-year-old. You know why? That's just a height thing. You know why? I've got two and a half feet in height on him. Yeah. I can beat a 12-year-old. Look, I know you're going to edit this later. Just take out the quote of me saying, I can beat a 12-year-old. You're going to put that all (laughs) over the internet. But I'm just saying, I can beat any 12-year-old that goes up against me. But he throws it, and this is the bullshit, right? I think this is also where he shows his bullshit. He says... That a single trans woman rising up in the rankings can cost a young woman her first place ranking and eliminate her chances of getting a scholarship. Okay, the second place person, probably also going to get a scholarship. Hundreds of people get scholarships. Thousands. That's my point. Yes. You're not going to... Even if... Even if we accept his proposition that the trans person is automatically going to be ranked number one, which is bullshit. Yeah, every, fucking, there's tons of scholarships for all the people in those top rankings. So if you're imagining that there's this epidemic of women being knocked out of the top rankings and losing their scholarships because of trans people participating in sports, you're fucking stupid. And again, at the end of this page, he throws in his, I don't care what outfit you wear, whether you choose to identify as gay, lesbian, or trans, what I care about is fairness in sports. What I care about is fairness in video game reporting. That's what it's all about. But on the next page, he throws in this, well, you know, you never hear about trans men dominating in men's divisions. Uh, I'll wait for that to happen before I start rooting for trans women who compete in women's divisions. And and I have to mention, he throws in parenthetical misgendering there uh, just to make sure that he's being all the douchebag he can be. Uh, To which I just have to say, how about Chris Mosier, uh, who is a (laughs) trans man and four-time Team USA duathlist? To which Benedict, I have to ask, what what's a duathlon? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what two. I don't know what two sports that is. Also, also could it just, be any I, two sports? I don't know. I'm it sure it's hard surely. and tough and cool. But um, again, not a not. I'm you 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 see me, Benedict. You know my body. I am not a long distance. You are not or, out here doing duathlons. No, I un- no. I, I, I am I a heavy weightlifter. I am very much not a running biking kind of guy. The the best bit of this little weird section is when he's seemingly very offended that someone got hurt in an MMA fight. <laughs> it's like someone oh, got God. their skull bashed in in the UFC. Like you, yeah, yes, obviously. So that's the next individual he's going to bring up and bullshit about, which is Fallon Fox. 
who is a uh, transgender MMA fighter, yes, uh, and who he claims, quote, a mediocre mixed martial arts arts fighter who decided they, I'm not going to use the misgendering pronoun, uh, was going to transition to a woman in order to beat women. And here's the bullshit about this. Fallon Fox started transitioning in 2006 and had to travel to Thailand to undergo reassignment surgery and all the other uh, um, things that go along with that. That's the bullshit he's overlooking here. Fallon Fox wasn't fighting as a man, and I'm sorry to use that pronoun, but, you know, I'm trying to keep things as straight as I can here, and then decided to transition. Fallon Fox was a truck driver who moved to Chicago with her daughter in 2006 and then went to Thailand to get that surgery. Did not start fighting until 2012. So to imagine this bullshit, imagine this bullshit, he's just flat out lying. He's lying. He says, quote, this was a misgendered pronoun who was losing bouts to other men. So then misgendered pronoun decided misgendered pronoun wanted to beat up women instead. In one of misgendered pronouns, last fights against a woman named Tanika Brents who held on for a very long time, Fox used misgendered pronoun hands to beat Brents in early technical knockout. This is such bullshit, it's so disgusting, and I have no tolerance, and I have no sympathy for Donnie Trump Jr. I have no sympathy for the fact that after his father is out of office, he's going to be treated like the absolute piece of trash that he is. And I hope, I hope so badly that he runs for office and loses like the punk bitch that he is, because that's what he deserves. He deserves to slink out of the public limelight in the most despicable fashion possible, because he is a cretin. He is the worst among us, and it's hard to say there's someone worse than his father. But Donnie Jr. legitimately is. He has none of the natural, entertaining personality of his father. Like, at least Trump, I think no. he's funny. He's shit and awful, but he is, I think, funny. Like, there's nothing funny about Don Jr. Here's the only thing that makes Don Sr. better than Don Jr. The senility. The dementia makes him better than Don Jr. Because if you can't remember all the terrible things you want to do, I think that makes you just slightly better. <laughs> but the next thing we get to, I'm, I'm, we're done. We're done with the, uh, that most of the transgender sports stuff in this chapter. The next thing we get to is there are wacky libs out there raising their kids without a gender. Who How fucking crazy cares? Is? But remember, Who cares? Don, re, hey, remember, Donnie Jr. doesn't care. Donnie Jr. doesn't care. That's why he's writing about this. It's because there are just four pages care, because he absolutely to it. doesn't care. Again, he throws in after that entire page of ranting about non-gender children being raised by parents. Again, I don't care what you do, and throws it back to. But when you try to insert the wrong genders into sports, that's when he gets mad because he's a douchebag. But I think this last paragraph, this last real paragraph of the chapter, is where he lays it all on the lines and displays that. Absolutely he fucking cares, as if he didn't display that throughout the entire chapter. But he starts off this by saying, The social justice warrior's assault on basic sensibilities has spiraled out of control. And that's what it comes down to. That this is about Donnie Jr.'s sensibilities. His fragile sensibilities. That other people are different than him. It's trans panic. That he's so scared that he's going to someday encounter a trans person who he doesn't care about. He doesn't care that they're trans. But icky, gross, because he's a fucking asshole. That about sums this chapter up, I think. <laughs> so with that, with that, I will end the chapter as I always do by reading the entirety 
of the final paragraph, which reads, and uh, actually, this is the second to last, but the last one is just bullshit about his daughter again in Little League. And, and I, I do not want to talk much about when he brings out, up his kids in these, even though I know I made fun of the pictures, because at this point, they're it's innocent. not that fault. They have a, cho- a chance at a future, unlike Donnie, Donnie Jr. So the last paragraph, which I will read, is, quote, for too long, we have allowed the laws of our nation to be written by its most aggrieved, least stable citizens. That is not wrong. It's just not how he thinks it yeah, is. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> We've pandered to ideas that have no basis in reality because we know that the people who came up with those ideas will turn the social justice mob on us if we don't. End of chapter 11 of Triggered, in which we see that Donnie Jr. was absolutely fucking triggered in that chapter. Again. Again. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's not triggered. He doesn't care. No, doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. Uh, So Benedict, as I always do, and I I actually forgot to send you this before we recorded today, but I'm sure you can come up with something funny on the spot. Sure. We learned nothing in this chapter, as we know. We learned a lot about how fucking (laughs) transphobic that all was. But I will ask you this very simple question. What else does Johnny Jr. not care about? Uh, His extreme divorced dad energy. That's good. That's good. And I apologize to all the listeners, but with all the travel I've been doing over the last two weeks, I just completely forgot to choose a winner from last week's question. So remember, if you want to uh, answer this week's question, just send it to us on Twitter or Facebook by retweeting or sharing the show, along with your answer to the listener question. All right, well, that is it for this week's episode of the Not Your Grandma's Book Club podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. And I should mention, uh, we have a new patron-only bonus coming. Uh, I know I was supposed to get one out for last month. We're doing them monthly. Uh, but because I was in California for two weeks, we're a little bit behind. But there we're going to have it out. There was a pandemic. There's also a pandemic. Don't forget about that. But for patrons uh, coming up in the upcoming days, we are going to be releasing our review, and I'm excited about this, of the Liberty University course catalog, which that I was expect... like you trying to do those Liberty Mutual commercials. The Liberty Mutual. <laughs> well, I'm going to edit that out, but now the listeners know that I flubbed it the first time I tried to read it. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we'll be re- reviewing the Liberty University course catalog, which I expect will be quite the ride, as I have already looked over it, and it is very interesting. But remember, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes just like that one. Shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, A.J. Brantley, Taro Takanen, Andrew Jenko, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Becky Scott Fairley, Skeptical Seventh, and Emily Burke. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time... Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of four. Goodbye. Goodbye. Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.